Uh, it is a really great morning. I'm excited to see some all of you here, but some folks uh, for sure. Uh, certainly glad that got to see uh, Dwight, and we have our good friend Jack is back with us. Uh, he didn't bring Beth in, so I'm really disappointed about that. I would much rather see her than Jack, but I mean, we take what we can get. So certainly glad that you're here. I'm especially excited about today. I get to wear my comfy shirt. Um, this is not normally what I, I would get to wear, but I'm headed out to Pine Springs. Uh, but I, I want you to know, I, I won't be wearing short sleeve shirts the whole time. The high is going to be 80 degrees. Uh, and so at nighttime, it'll get a little cooler. So I'll probably be in a sweatshirt. So uh, when y'all drop just, just below 100 degrees at night, I'll, I'll be a, a balmy 50 degrees and it's going to be nice. So um, I hope you feel jealous. Um, I, I hope you wish you were there. And, and sometime maybe I'll take you with me. You know, something that happened uh, several years ago, I was uh, finishing up my studies uh, in Abilene, uh, and I had to write a, a rather lengthy project about something that, that was interesting to me, and, and at that time, I, I was really intrigued by the concept of church membership. Uh, and the more I studied about it, the more I realized I had no idea where we got this concept at all. In fact, as I read throughout the Bible, the word member was used over and over again, but it was used in the context of we're members of a body. A physical body is the way Paul talked about it so many times, about the hands and the feet and the eyes. And He talked about this idea, but as far as church membership, there wasn't a whole lot into it. started studying more and more, and, and I went through church history, and boy, there was just this big blank. I mean, it's, it's something we talk about nearly every Sunday, but it, it's not really anywhere in Scripture, and we don't find a whole lot about it even in church history throughout the ages. It's something that always kind of perplexed me. Well, this morning I want to talk something that's just the opposite. It's something that we do find in Scripture, but it's not something that we talk about really a whole lot at all. But let's back up, and I want to ask this simple question. What is the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the good news. And what is the good news? Okay, here we go. Is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 3, he says, For what I received I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to Scripture, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And he's going to say, well, He even appeared to a few more people. But the gospel is the good news. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. But I want to ask, is there something missing? Is there something that's left out? You don't have to turn there, but you can if you want to, but I just want to show you that if you turn there, you're not going to find what we're looking for. In Matthew chapter 28, this is the final chapter of Matthew's gospel, he talks about the resurrection of Jesus, then there's the guards report, and then of course it closes out with verses 19 and 20, we're given the great commission. That's the end of Matthew's gospel. 
If you go to the end and you look at the final gospel, John's gospel, in John chapter 20, we have the empty tomb. Then he's going to appear to Mary, the disciples, and of course that very famous meeting uh, that we all remember is him seeing Thomas and showing uh, the scars in his hands. Chapter 21, John's final chapter is going to open up with a miraculous catch of fish. This is going to happen for a second time. It's how Peter was first came to know Jesus, and now Jesus is going to appear to them again. Peter says, I don't know what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to go out and go fishing. And we all think that the miracle was the fact that Jesus allowed him to catch a miraculous number of fish. But that's not the real miracle, folks. The real miracle was that somehow Jesus was able to get a fisherman to actually honestly say that he hadn't caught any fish. That was the real miracle. But he has this miraculous catch of fish, they're on the beach, they eat, and then he reinstates Peter, and I love how John closes his gospel. He says so many other things that Jesus did that weren't written. He says, I suppose if we wrote everything there was that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough room in the world to contain all those books. And... And that's the end of John's Gospel. Are we missing something? Well, how about Mark? Now you can turn to Mark because we're going to see a little something in there. And I want you to see the footnote that you've probably caught before, but maybe you've forgotten about. We have Mark chapter 15. Well, actually, we'll we'll go to Mark chapter 16. In Mark chapter 16, we have... An interesting footnote. Something takes place uh, in which it kind of makes you scratch your head. And if if you if you're like me and you you're really interested in how the Bible is written and how we got it, this to me is a head scratcher. Jesus uh, has uh, resurrected, but at uh, he's been buried in chapter 15 and chapter 16. Some of the women are going to go to prepare his body. Uh, after he had been uh, buried, they show up there. Uh, this is Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome. They had taken spices to do so. They go there, but they don't see Jesus. Who do they see? They see an angel, and the angel tells them, Don't be afraid. The Jesus, the, the one that you are looking for, uh, he's risen, he's not here. And then something crazy happens in verse 8. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Period. End. That's it. Now you're saying, no, that's not. There's verses 9 through 20. Well, yes and no. As far as almost any Bible scholar can tell you, that was the end of Mark's gospel. He ended the gospel intentionally, not because he didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but he loved the idea that it ended with the women knew of the resurrection, but they were afraid. And I think Mark liked it that way. It was almost like the the, the mic drop. It was this, okay, this is what happened when they learned of the resurrection. What about you? 
In fact, Mark himself most likely generated most of his material from listening to Peter preaching. This would have been a great ending to a sermon. They were afraid and they ran off and they didn't tell anybody. But it didn't take long for some people early on uh, in the first, possibly even the second century, they're reading this and said, man, that's not really the ending they want. So we probably should go ahead and tack on this ending. And so that's when we have that Jesus rose, he appeared to them, and then he gives the Great Commission. And now listen to this in verse 19 of Mark 16. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. That's it. Finally, finally it takes the third gospel that we've read to see this. The other two didn't mention. This is actually an afterthought. Finally, after the death and the burial and the resurrection, finally somebody mentions what Jesus does next. He ascends. But we don't talk about that. And my question is, why not? Why don't we talk about the ascension? Maybe it's not really that big of a deal. But I think it is a big deal. And I think Luke knows that it's a big deal. The very detailed doctor decides that including the ascension is an important part of the gospel. In Luke chapter 24, we have the resurrection, the road to Emmaus, and then Jesus appears to more disciples. And then we have verse 51. While he blessed them, Jesus blessed them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So we get a little bit of that, but Luke is not done. Because what does Luke do after he writes Luke? He writes Acts. Acts is part two. I just read recently Jonathan Stormont in one of his books. He says, you know, if you have tried to compare Luke and Acts with Star Wars, okay, part two of Star Wars is The Empire Strikes Back. That's Acts. It is, what, it is what the kingdom is now doing here on earth. Luke ends his gospel with the ascension of Jesus. And he's going to open it back up again in Acts. And he's going to pick up where he left off. And so if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Jesus has appeared to his disciples over the course of 40 days. He told them, wait for the Holy Spirit. And he said, you are going to be my witnesses in Judea, in, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and all the world. And listen to this in verse 9. After he said this, Acts chapter 1 verse 9, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. 
Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking in the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is really important to Luke. Uh, I was sharing with uh, Jim Brandon before. He says, well, what are, you, what are you talking about this morning? He says, I'm talking about ascension, you know, about how you know, Jesus is going to go up in the clouds and you know, he's going to come back the same way. And Jim says, this is really important stuff. He says, because we know that if Jesus is going to go, uh, if he went up in a cloud and he's going to come down the same way, if there's not a cloud, he's not coming. So we need to be praying for more clouds. This is Hobbes. We always pray for clouds and something, anything to come down from them. But why is the ascension so important? And why have we downplayed it? Or maybe we've downplayed it because it's really not that important. This morning, I want to say to you that the ascension is a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. So let me, let me take an analogy that, that we're more familiar with. My, my good friend, and in a lot of ways a hero, a man that I look up to, is Monty Newman. I love Monty Newman. I, I love who he is, what he stands for. I love his role as a husband and as a father. We've had some conversations, and I just sit there and think, how can I learn how to be a better husband and a, a better father from Monty? I, I like Monty. I don't know all about his political stance, but I do know he's a really great guy, and he has an even better wife, and most importantly, Monty loves the Lord. Now, Monty is, is getting at a point in his life where he's thinking about retirement and what happens next. But, but let's, let's flip this a little bit. Let's say that Monty says, okay, I've been with you for a while, and I know all of you, and I'm going to go. Is where he goes next important? It sure can be. What if Monty says, you know what? I thought about traveling somewhere and ended up on a, a beach somewhere. Maybe reading books, looking at the paper, getting some sun, maybe doing some... But what if Monty says, you know what? I have a change of plans. I've decided I'm going to go to Washington. And it just so happens that I have clearance and I've been allowed to go into the White House. And I'm going to go into the White House and I'm going to sit in the Oval Office, and from now on, I am going to be the president. Do you think that's a big deal? Do you think there's a big difference between Monty on the beach and Monty in the White House? I want a Monty Newman in the White House. Why do I want a Monty Newman in the White House? Because I know him... And He knows me. He's going to represent all of us. He's going to be thinking about us when He addresses Congress. When He says, here's what needs to happen. Here's what my people need. He's going to represent us. He's going to mediate us. He cares for us and we care for Him. Now all of a sudden, it's a really big deal, isn't it? 
All of a sudden, I have someone there in a position of power that's going to help me out. And this is why the ascension is very, very important. Jesus is not in heaven on a beach laying there saying, I did my time, it's now over. After he stormed the gates of hell, he went up to HQ. He didn't leave us and say, good luck with this. He said, I'm now going to a position where I can continue to guide you and direct you. In fact, I'm going to send my spirit, my counselor, my informant, and he's going to help you. Okay, let's step back from that for just a moment. If you've seen any kind of action movie lately, if it involved a heist or a breaking out of a prison or a breaking into a compound or breaking into a bank, I think of Oceans 11 and Oceans 12 and I don't know what they did after that, but what did every one of those stories include? What did you have to have if you're going to get into a bank or out of a prison? You had to have, I, I recognize the voice. John Trammell, what do you have to have? You have to have the inside man. My wife watches this show, bless her heart. <laughs> NCIS, is that what it is? I can't remember the name of it. There's a blonde haired lady with the glasses and she's always playing on the computer and she does things that you can't really do in real life. But in the TV show, when they're trying to find somebody, they're trying to hack in or whatever, she's always at the computer, and she gives them access. She helps them with the, the appropriate information. That's the role of Jesus. He didn't just say, good luck with this, I'll see you later. In fact, if we look over and over again, we see exactly what he's doing. If you go to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1, it says this, The point of this is what we are saying. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12 says this, But when the priest had offered for all time, once and for all sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and He sat down where? At the right hand of the throne of God. He didn't say He went to the beach. When it says he sat down by the throne at the right hand of the throne of God, that means he's right there with God. This is really important. Because if we're trying to get to God, and Jesus says, you go through me, you can't go to God through Jesus if Jesus isn't with God. The resurrection is important. It really is. 
But we're forgetting something. I don't want to be resurrected and stay here. I want to be resurrected and then I want to ascend to heaven to be with God. The resurrection only gets us from the dead back alive. It's the ascension which allows us to be with Jesus in paradise. This is why the ascension is so important. Well, what does that mean for us? I mean, it, we haven't been resurrected because we haven't even died. We can't even talk about ascension. Well, and I think this is the key point. When Jesus left, it was so that He could continue to mediate for us, to represent for us, to guide for us. I mean, you talk about what it means and where, where Jesus is. Think about a football game. If you're down on the sidelines, you can make a lot of calls. But the problem is, you can't see really what's going on. Even the head coaches, when they're making the calls, they have a headset on. What's being talked about in their headset? And where is that chatter coming from? It's coming from the booth at the top. Jesus didn't leave to say, good luck with this. I'm going to go hang out with Dad and have a vacation. He said, I'm going up to the control room. And I am sending down the Spirit. And I am watching what's going on. And if you need me, if you need the Spirit of God and you need His power, you come to me. I intercede to God and He sends His Holy Spirit. It's a really beautiful thing. And it's really important because we can know that you didn't get left alone. The role of Jesus wasn't go up, to go up there and look down at Katie Rasko and say, oh, she shouldn't have done this or she's doing that again. You know. It's to say, I'm here for you. I see you. I love you. I'm directing you. I'm providing you with opportunities. I'm send, sending people to minister to you. I'm even providing you with a counselor. The ascension. We're not alone. Jesus has gone up to help us. And He sent down His Spirit. Not a physical body that would be limited to a, a, a teacher in Jerusalem, but instead a Spirit that could go all over the world. And He's directing that Spirit, which resides here in your hearts in Hobbes. It's all a part of this beautiful gospel of good news. You were never left alone. He's here with you. So we're going to spread out in just a few minutes. We're going to have class. 
And I, I want to encourage you to hang around for class. We're going to talk about specifically what, what roles is, is Jesus playing and why is it really important that He is at the right hand of God. But then we're going to spread out even further. And we're not going to be in purple pews surrounded by people who sing songs to God and call each other brother and sister and we smile and we say have a blessed day. You're going to find yourselves back out in it again. But you won't be alone. Jesus knows exactly where you're going. And He's going to continue to allow His Spirit to work in you so that He may be glorified. May we all continue to look to Jesus who is up in heaven working for us. If you feel like you've been left behind, I want to encourage you to think again. Jesus is with us every day. If you want to continue to work on that connection with Jesus, if you want to, uh, to commit to serving Him, if you want to be a part of a church family that is, is seeking direction from Him and guidance and looking to, to praise Him, then, then we want to encourage you to come this morning and accept the invitation to be a part of this church family and to serve and love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If we can help you this morning, please come as we stand and sing.